I've always imagined the relationship between the disciples and Jesus kind of like the relationship between an overly energetic and inquisitive nine-year-old and an exacerbated yet patient parent. There are examples all over the place in the Bible. Jesus, tell us which one of us is the best. Jesus, what if I don't want to love everyone? Jesus, Jesus, wake up, we're going to drown. <laughs> Sorry we couldn't stay up, Jesus. We know you said you're going to die tomorrow, but we were really, really sleepy. Each time, Jesus takes time to respond to the questions of the disciples, but he rarely answers them in a straightforward way. He tells stories and uses metaphors. This time, it is no different. The disciples ask Jesus, increase our faith. Give us more, they cry. Have you ever made the same request of God? Have you ever prayed asking for more faith? How frequently this has been my own prayer. Increase my faith, I've cried. There have been seasons in which this phrase was my very breath, seasons in which I was angry at God, seasons where I felt spiritually diseased, removed from the Creator and beyond the reach of the Redeemer. Even more frightening are the seasons in which I felt I didn't even have the faith necessary to be angry at God. Periods of deep sadness and grieving and mourning in which I felt a sickening and empty nothingness towards the divine. Increase my faith. Increase our faith. In these times, Christ leans close and tells us a story. If we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can tell a tree to be planted in the ocean. Why? This doesn't provide any kind of assurance and comfort. Why would I want a tree to be in the ocean? What does it mean to have faith the size of a mustard seed? Well, in the most literal sense, the kind of mustard seed that the disciples would have been familiar with would be around 0.039 to 0.079 inches in diameter. Uh, that's according to the scholars at Wikipedia. And I mentioned that in the first service, and an actual scholar of horticulture <laughs> came, up <to> me, <laughs> came up to me after the sermon and said, it's easier to say it's about the size as a speck of pepper. So, the size of a speck of pepper. That's next to nothing. That's almost an insignificant amount, yet it is there. What can you do with something the size of a mustard seed? Perhaps it is not a matter of how much faith one has. Maybe this is the wrong way of thinking about things. It's not a matter of how much faith or little faith. It's simply faith. Increase my faith, I have asked, as if faith is an item that can be measured. As if I could hop in my car and go to the local Kroger and pick myself up a family-sized package of faith. We ask Jesus to increase our faith, but this is the wrong question. Do you have faith in the faith you have? Do you have faith that God can do amazing things using even you. As Christians, we acknowledge that God works through us in the world, but we also acknowledge that this doesn't have anything to do with our own abilities or worthiness. God can use you. I also don't think that this passage is about divine assault on foliage. 
To focus on the tree would be to miss the point of these verses. I have no desire to launch greenery into the nearest substantial body of water. I mean, there's no judgment if you feel otherwise. (laughs) But for this to happen would be miraculous. The message of this scripture is not about plants and seeds. If you have a speck of faith, then there is a glimmer of hope. If you have a speck of faith, then that which seems impossible is possible. God accomplishes amazing things through our simple and little faith. Now, there are two misunderstandings of this interpretation that I would like to head off. The first is that this means there won't be seasons of spiritual struggle if only you have a little faith. This simply isn't true. There's plenty of scripture dedicated to this idea. I mean, there are entire books of the Bible dedicated to this idea. There have been and are going to be times in which you feel distant from God. There are going to be seasons when you're angry, times when you feel alone in the midst of a chaotic cosmos. To say otherwise would be disingenuous. But be gentle with yourself. Your faith isn't too small. You're simply hurting. To feel alienated from Christ in these time periods is not an indication of spiritual immaturity. We all have a lot to learn about God. My faith is very different than what it was even a year ago. It's not more or less or better or worse. It's just different. Hold on to your mustard seed. It's more than enough. Our God is a God of abundance. The second misunderstanding about having faith, uh, the second misunderstanding that I'd like to head off is that having faith means God is some kind of genie granting wishes. I mean, I have a lot of homework to do later today, and if I can tell a tree to jump in the ocean, why can't I tell my paper to write itself? Why do I have to mow the lawn if I can tell the grass not to grow? But this places me at the center of the narrative, not God. We don't have faith so that we can have power and influence. Our faith is based in our service to God and to people through God. Jesus speaks to this a little bit in the next section of text. And I recognize that this next bit is uncomfortable. After all, we have Jesus, the focus of our admiration and faith, talking about what a good slave looks like. However, as with much of Scripture, there are several layers to this that need to be untangled. And we'll focus on two, though I'm sure more could be said. The first layer deals explicitly with faith. This story illustrates that to have faith means to follow the difficult commandments and counsel of Christ without expecting praise or reward. Christ asked his disciples, If you had a slave who was working all day in the field, would you invite them to eat with you? No. Would you thank them for doing what's expected of them? No. In this story, we are the slaves. How different a picture this is than the tree-checking parable of a few sentences ago. Faith drives us to do hard, arduous, and thankless work for the kingdom of God because this is the work we are commanded to do knowing that we have already received the ultimate reward of relationship with Christ. This flies in the face of common thoughts and phrases. You know, the ones that say, have faith and God will bless you. Things work out for those who love God. God helps those who help themselves. We know that this isn't always the case. Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. Sometimes prayers aren't answered. Think back to the mustard seed. The idea that if we have enough faith, good things will happen just isn't true. The work itself is the reward. We work for God's kingdom. We work to make the world a little bit more good. 
We work so that we ourselves can be pleasing and living sacrifices to God. To reduce our services to anticipate a financial or physical reward is to devalue the gifts of salvation and existence. Our role is to serve the world because of our love of God. Our role is to live in devotion to God. Our identity is found in service of God. Anything that springs out of this is not extra credit. It's what we're called to do. So this is the spiritual aspect of what Christ is telling us. But y'all know that this isn't the end of the story. When reading this scripture, it is difficult to justify the sense that Jesus seems to be supporting slavery. Did this make anyone else squirm a little bit? There's something a little bit off about the power dynamic. Something that seems to be lacking. And I suppose this would be the end of the story if this were an isolated parable. But as we know, this parable doesn't exist in a vacuum. When you read it with other parts of Luke's gospel, things are put in a very different perspective. In the 22nd chapter, verses 25 and 20, through 27, we read about a conversation between Jesus and the disciples. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus spends time in our scripture for today talking about how one should serve as a Christian, and then he aligns those who serve. Consistently and constantly throughout the Gospels, Jesus places himself by the side of those who are hated and marginalized. Is this not good news? Is this not gospel? Jesus is with those who are hurting, those who are marginalized, those who are ignored, those who are outcast, those who are not good enough, those who are different, those who are called sinners, those who are rejected by respectable members of the religious community, those who normally don't have a place at the table. Christ is with those who are fighting against systems of domination and inequality. Christ is with the immigrant. Christ is with the poor person. Christ is with the black man shot dead by police. Christ is with those who are often not given a second thought. Mustard seed faith means that the deeply rooted trees of inequality can be uprooted. The goal of Christianity is to become like Christ. If this is the case, then there is also a message here for folks like me. I'm a straight, white, middle class, working on my college education dude. If I want to be like Christ, I'm going to have to learn what it means to serve. If I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to have to learn what it means to eat last. If I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to have to learn to shift the narrative from myself onto God. Folks who are within positions of power and privilege are going to need to use these gifts in ways that uplift other people and give glory to God. Otherwise, we are missing the point. My friends, the amazing thing about Jesus' message is that it draws us towards the center, towards God. If you are struggling with your faith, there is comfort in knowing that wherever you are, whatever you have, it is enough. If you feel as if your faith is strong, there is a call to serve God without expecting compensation and praise. If you are marginalized and hated, 
There's assurance that Christ abides in you and with you. If you are in a position of power, then there's a demand that you learn what it means to serve. There is comfort and discomfort in Christ's message. There is assurance and accountability. My prayer for you this week is that you find time to reflect and pray. Figure out where you are. Are you in need of assurance? Are you being called out? Find time to find out. And know, wherever you are, grace is abundant, and you are a beloved and beautiful child of God. Amen.